The Stages podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of the lands on which our artists and audiences meet. We pay our respect to past, present and emerging elders. We acknowledge the important role that art has played on these lands for thousands of years and feel privileged to work alongside artists continuing the creative practice of one of the oldest surviving cultures in the world. Hello, I'm Peter Ayers and you're listening to Stages, the podcast that converses with creative... Then the next block further down there was the Royal, then the Prince Edward was right opposite the Royal, then the Savoy. And we used to get fined if you were late for the half hour and fined for misbehaving on stage. Just for God's sake, do it better. (laughs) Sometimes that's all you can say. But when you've gone through that, you do get a lot of ego. And you go out there knowing that the one thing that's different every time is that audience. I didn't wake up until... I was in emergency. I was around the uh, world of actors as a child. Crawfords were needing a casting assistant. No business plan, no concept, no training. It's not something you could do now. Went to school on Friday, got on the bus on Saturday, auditioned for the show. They said, you've got the role. I never went back to school again. (laughs) Thank you. I've enjoyed being here talking about my favourite subject. Ego in check, me. (laughs) Yeah, it's a date. (laughs) It's a date. Hello, I'm Peter Ayers and welcome to Stages, the podcast that converses with creatives about craft and career. Claire de Lune is the alter ego of restaurateur and chef Mark Kuzma. Claire has been a mainstay in Sydney's gay life for several decades, while Mark has been a celebrated mainstay of our food scene. Claire de Lune gained fast notoriety after her 17 cooking segments on Channel 9's The Midday Show with Kerry Ann Kennelly. Claire's career peaked in 2000 by winning three Diva Awards, the Drag Industry Variety Award, including Entertainer of the Year and an award for her charity work, particularly for the AIDS Trust of Australia, an award also won in 2001. Mark Kuzma now delights patrons at a very special venue that combines exquisite French culinary excellence and stellar cabaret performance at Claire's Kitchen at Le Salon. The restaurant is a favourite destination for diners and connoisseurs of classic cabaret performance. A weekly lineup of artists complements the artistry of Mark and his staff who deliver a superb experience, merging Mark's three great personas performance, food, and fabulousness. Disturbance, we do get deliveries and stuff like that. But but no traffic noise whatsoever, which is great. With a curtain, yeah, it's quite good. Yeah. Um, and um, it's lovely to be in your beautiful camera room. It's great. The last time you were here was Geraldine. Geraldine Turner, yeah. Yeah, was right here on that stage. A magnificent show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, with the, at the launch of her book, of course. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how long have you had the cabaret room running? Well, I was actually just looking online because I've forgotten. We did our first one in 2013, in December, on the 8th of December. And then we took a little break because it was just a one-off. But we started fully uh, in 2017. And by doing two a week, and then three a week, and then now nearly four a week. That's magnificent. It's, it is a great room. I mean, I feel like I'm in New York. 
Oh, here. thank you. Yeah, people say New York, Berlin, that sort of like <laughs> yeah. a underground cabaret room. It's beautifully intimate. You have access to the performer and they have access to everybody in the mm -hmm. room. So, um, you know, we've seen cabaret rooms come and go in Sydney. So it's it's wonderful that, that you're almost celebrating 10 years. Yes, I know. We're celebrating. This is great. Yeah. And it's amazing because, you know, we have, you know, some young up and coming talent, but we also have some very big names that um, perform for 50 people in our room and they love it. They love the intimacy. They love the rapport. And a lot of them are actually now uh, trying new shows here and then going to perform them at all the festivals around Australia and England, you know, Edinburgh, everywhere. Yeah. So it's really quite exciting. It's, as you say, it allows for an intimacy. So performers love that, that yes, they can re recalibrate their performance to, mm. to fit the size of the room. Mm. And, and this is, is very cosy. It's wonderful. And of course, complemented by a magnificent meal. Well, that's always been important because ultimately we are a restaurant. And the cabaret was just something that I did for myself, really. <laughs> Being stuck in the kitchen and stuck in the restaurant seven days a week, I've never get to go and see any performers. So basically, I selfishly started a cabaret, so they came to me, <laughs> and I could see two or three performances a week. <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have to leave work. Exactly, yeah. But of course, being French, uh, cabaret, was that part of um, your, your family's... It's it always been part of my life. Performing yeah. has always been part of my life. Um, you know, my mother was uh, an actress and my father uh, is, was Ukrainian. My father passed away a few years ago, uh, was Ukrainian. And from very young, uh, we performed in, two, in his, um, his, not Kabari, sorry, in his dance group. He had a dance group, Ukrainian dance group. And I remember dancing there from, fi from five years old. It was like four generations from... Uh, us to our grandparents being part of that group and we toured you know Europe during summer doing shows everywhere so show business always been in my blood really and um, did you have access to a lot of rehearsal rooms with your mother um, yes um, I actually um, performed with mom uh, when I was uh, 15 on stage I needed a young person so I did uh, I did my first theater production at uh, at that age yes Wow. And you're born in Paris? No, I'm born no. in Champagne, in Troyes. Yeah. Well, you've you got to be born anywhere in, uh, in I France. Know, I think Champagne I is, um, is the place to be. It is, it is. <laughs> it's an amazing story about that, actually. Um, people always say, you know, why do you love Champagne so much? And I always explain to them that at, the t at that time, it was in the 50s, um, the tradition was for the father to bring a glass of Champagne to the mom as soon as uh, she gave birth and dip the finger in the champagne and put it on your on the baby's tongue, which will be <laughs> cancelled right now. <laughs> but at the time, there was a tradition. So basically, the first thing I ever tasted was champagne. <laughs> oh, how classy. <laughs> so uh, growing up, did you have aspirations to be a performer? Um, well, always, because like I said, I danced, um, you know, from the age of five until I left France to go to the to the army, so um, I, you know, we performed all the time, to the world of rehearsals, two or three times a week, and then shows at the weekend, uh, was always in my life, and going to see mom perform on stage, and uh, so I always had it in me, but I stopped for a while, you know, and concentrated on the uh, restaurant, I was, uh, um, 
I also was in the army, as I said, for three years. Was that national service? It was national service, but because I wanted to start a career, I went a little earlier. I went when I was 16 and a half. I joined in and I took three years. And that gave me the opportunity to travel in the army. And this is where um, it's linked to Australia because I was moved to New Caledonia. Right. And I did most of my service in New Caledonia, which at the time was the Bali of Australia. So people were, went to holiday in New Caledonia and I met a lot of Australians. And on my way back home, I stopped and never left. Did you have an opportunity in national service to, to learn a skill? Is it like um, a yeah, skill? it was uh, radio and transmission. Right. Yeah, so not really useful for my <laughs> in my I, life. But I've seen you operate the sound system. I know, I do that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Morse code, I never had to use it. Yeah. Right. Well, where did the um, the ability to, to create food and, and be a, a uh, chef? Uh, I did my that? apprenticeship as... Uh, as uh, um, I did a colotelier in France before I... I, I moved into the army. So um, food was always in my life. Even so, I didn't train as a chef. When you do a colotelier in France, you actually learned cooking. So, and I only started cooking when I arrived in Australia because I couldn't speak English. I tried to get a job. I, my first job was actually at the Little Snail in Bondi, oh, yes. 1979. You can all do the math. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, But I couldn't speak English, so they, th they moved me to the kitchen. And this is because the chef was French. And uh, this is where I started cooking. And then a, f a year or so later, um, we met a wonderful woman called uh, Sophie Mazier. She had a restaurant in the Blue Mountain called the, Lit the Fork and View. Yes, you, you heard well. The Fork and view, but say it fast and you will get <laughs> the, the joke. And she was quite an institution, actually. She was the first female chef in Australia. The ABC did a show about her life. She was quite colorful. And, and she was the best friend of uh, a friend at the time. So I moved to help her because she, was, um, she needed someone. And she was absolutely adorable, but as a good French chef, she started drinking red wine at 9 o'clock in the morning during the prep, which means that by lunchtime, uh, she was often not able to do the service, which was great for me because I took over and had to learn very quickly how to serve 50, 60 people in the dining room. And basically, I served with her for a couple of years, and this is where I really learned my trade, yeah. Because operating a, a dining room uh, and this cabaret room, I've watched you, and it's all precision. You know, you've got certain. That's time. probably my army background. Yeah. <laughs> but but it must be like that, mustn't it? It is. It yeah. is. It is. It's 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 a fine. Yeah, it's a, it's like a ballet. You know what I mean? It just has to happen, and the customer needs not to be aware that it's happening. And uh, yeah, I'm quite quite good at uh, timing and and being strict with the staff yeah. well also while well, always also um oozing immense charm i must say well thank you <laughs> <laughs> uh, mark do you know the um the history of french cuisine in australia when well the, i think i think that sophie Mazier will have been probably one of the first um chef pardon me chef in the 60s 70s she started a restaurant yeah mm. wow so she would have been a pioneer, and she, her food was very traditional, but she was so well-loved, absolutely adorable woman. She passed away a few years ago, and we kept in touch, yeah, all those years.
Um, you kept us well fed and happy also during the uh, the COVID lockdowns. Mm. Uh, I guess you had to really rethink and outside the square. I think you needed to re- reinvent yourself. Yeah. There was no other way. Yeah, you know, like unfortunately, a lot of restaurants closed because they didn't know how to re- reinvent. You know, we uh, we took the time to um, the first few weeks when we were not allowed to do anything to repaint the whole restaurant, clean the whole restaurant, do all those things. And then we decided to do take away. Yeah. And uh, it went crazy because we have such a wonderful clientele. Like they're all so supportive that we were only doing it two nights a week, Friday, Saturday. But on Saturday night, we were doing 120 three-course meals, take away. So basically, it just kept us going, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Re- reinvention, yes. That's it, reinvention. And then when we reopened after the first lockdown, this is when we decided to really push the cabaret and we were having four or five cabarets a week. Yeah. And amazingly enough, during the, between the first COVID and the second COVID lockdown, we gave work to 221 singers, 221 pianists, wow. which was quite extraordinary. We gave them work so they got paid and they saved my business, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was a tough time for the arts as well. It was at the time, and that's why they were all happy and we had some amazing names here, yeah. mm-hmm. amazing names. Now, New Caledonia to Australia. Mm-hmm. I guess you were meeting Australian people and making friends. And, that's right, And yeah. that was the pull to Australia. And they said, you know, come and visit on your way home, which I did. And it's a weird thing, really weird, but, you know, some people tell you those that sort of story and I la- always laugh but I basically put a foot on the tarmac because at the time you actually get <laughs> you <laughs> there was no no uh, no tunnel you went straight into the tarmac and I knew without even knowing anything about Australia and without speaking English that I was going to spend the rest of my life in that country what was it the, 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 I don't know the light of the sky or it's the, just a feeling that I had yeah yeah yeah, it was quite extraordinary. Yeah, and I did, and I never left. Mm. So, and, th- and then you have to go about searching for work, I suppose. But, uh, those people, I, I, I arrived, I think, on a Friday. I started working on a Monday, and work has never been a problem for me, and never been a day, day out of work in my whole life. If I cannot find a job, I create a job. Wonderful. Now, tell me, uh, would you rather be. Um, uh, preparing a magnificent feast for a, a, a cabaret room full of people or performing in the 3 a.m. show at Mardi Gras? <laughs> <laughs> I can do both, you, you know. Can do both I finish cooking well. at 12, I can jump into a fort. I've done it, yeah. I've done it. Well, yeah. of course, I'm alluding to uh, your alter ego, Claire de Lune. Claire de Lune, yes. yes Claire. Uh, why I created Claire? Because, I, as I told you earlier, I was always a frustrated actor and wanted to to act and unfortunately I did quite a bit of voiceover when I first arrived with a French accent but the parts for someone with such a strong accent are very few in Australia so basically I created Claire with the accent and even exaggerated the accent actually when I'm performing as Claire because I couldn't get work as an actor so I created my own work. Uh, Growing up in in, um, Champagne Mm -hmm. had you seen many drag performers? Never uh, until I came to Australia. I've never actually seen drag. Right, yeah, right. and you thought I'm going to have I'm going to have a go at that. I'm going to have a go at that. Yeah. So where was Claire born? Where was your first performance? First performance was in 1986 for New Year's Eve. It was a 
Lucky Fairy of 1985. <laughs> <laughs> there is photo evidence, but I'm not going to share them with anyone. The makeup was even rougher than it is now. <laughs> <laughs> Does Claire have a particular persona, or do you, are um, you very much the same person? I think we're similar, but obviously um, uh, very French, you know, like that uh, was uh, when I'm, even when I was performing, you know, regularly in clubs and everything, I often mimed or sang French song. And of course, later in my career, the food element was very important because this was when I started doing the midday show with Kerry Ann and as a chef in drag, one of the first drag in television, really. Yeah. 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 So that was that a, a weekly appearance? It was. Um, it was uh, twice a month. So I did, uh, I think, twenty-eight episodes. Yeah. How was it working in? Because they would record a film, broadcast live. It is. Yeah, so. and it's a very short segment. Like it was. Um, I think if if I remember well, four and a half minute segment. So a lot of preparation, really, where you. Um, you have to have quite a bit of rehearsals. Uh, I've been watching Julia on television. Oh, isn't that uh, wonderful? Oh, isn't that yeah. wonderful? I'm so totally in love. And she was, you know, it, 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 I saw a lot of my experience in it because, um, you know, it's all about preparation, like your rehearse at home, the timing. So it makes, you know, it makes sense. You have time in four and a half minutes to do, to do a full dish, especially with Carrie Ann. She loves to talk, mm, mm. <laughs> and that's a, that's a good thing, isn't it? Which is a good thing. We we were not we went on very well together, and so that was a good apprenticeship for television, really. Right. Yeah. So, so uh, preparing meals is is creative. Uh, the drag performance is creative. Do you have any other creative outlets? Do you paint? Do you garden? No, 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 no. I don't actually. Um, you know, I love decorating. I love creating. So. I'm always changing the decor at the restaurant. I'm always, you know, it's Christmas at the moment, so the restaurant is decked up from top to bottom in Christmas decoration. So I design clothes. So uh, I've got a fashion line coming up next year. How will we access that? Uh, that will be online, of online. course, yeah, because yeah. Claire, <laughs> on Claire's website, yeah. <laughs> so I'm always creating something. I need to create all the time, yeah. You're getting lots of national exposure with the Kerry Ann Show. Um, and then in 2000, you win three Diva Awards. I did, That's yes. The, the because, Drag Industry Variety Awards. Mm, yeah. You know, being on television, I was then asked to do a lot more work in the drag, com- you know, in the drag bars and community. And and I worked a lot at that time. And I worked a lot with Verushka Darling, who is my dearest friend. And we created some very crazy shows at uh, Annie's Bar, at the Albury, at Stonewall. So we worked everywhere, really. Yeah. It's, it's great to have that um, co-star, isn't it? For, oh, fabulous. For the, for the rapport. Just to, to Fe- uh, yeah, and we are so different, you know what I mean? Verushka is very intellectual and I'm very boom-boom jokes. And uh, working together was fantastic because, you know, we met in the middle and creating some really crazy shows, yeah. What were some of the numbers you, you would perform? I, we were actually crea- creating little mini-shows, 20-minute uh, show, very much like pantomime show. Um, you know, whatever happened to uh, Chocho San and Mummy Dearest and really crazy. We used a lot of um, uh, dialogue from movies and ideas from movies, but then put them together in very crazy ways. 
and uh, use pop song at the moment. So it was a mashup of uh, dialogues and song. It was quite, they were quite, quite spectacular, yeah. And how did you decide on the name of Claire de Lune? Claire de Lune, actually, I didn't. Someone gave me that name. Right. We're a very, we're a very good friend and ex-boss. I was with, with Tony and work with Tony and Veronique uh, Johansson at Vams Bistro for nine years, and uh, Tony is a pianist. And Claire de Lune is obviously a very famous piano piece from Debussy, and. I don't know how he gave it to me, but it just happened. It's just like, Claire de Lune. And I loved it. So it, that was my name. It fitted. It felt right. Yes, yeah. yeah. Were you still working in kitchens and, and dining rooms when you were doing the drag? Uh, I, for 10 years, during 98 um, to um, for 10 years, I stopped cooking and concentrated on my drag career and performing career. Yes. So that was interesting. How how do you think um, Oxford Street here in Sydney, which was known as the, the Golden Gay Mile, how has it changed in that time, do you think? Uh, it always changes, you know. Yeah. I mean, with, I, with generations. I arrived in 1979, so you can imagine the changes that happened between then and now. And once again, you know, you just need to adapt. Um, there were a lot more places where, uh, where drag p could perform, that's for sure. You know, the Albury was... One of the places that we miss now, Anis Bard, and uh, there was a lot more. But uh, um, there is still drag, and there is still work. And of course, also, drag has gone a lot more mainstream now um, because of RuPaul Drag Race. But even before that, you know, because of Verushka and I going on television, quite a few people followed. And, uh, and so there is other way, and gone more corporate too. Uh, lots of drag queens are doing a lot of corporate work. They are great speakers, so they MC. They are very entertaining. So you know, things changes. Yeah. yeah, you were very much a pioneer, I guess, with with drag on television, and uh, it must be satisfying to see someone like Courtney Act now oh, on, on panel shows oh. and, and commentating. And, and she's hosting. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely everywhere. It's fabulous. But like we were talking actually with Verushka not a long time ago, saying we may have been a tiny little bit too early. Yes. You know what I mean? It's a only the little timing, bit too it? early for for Australia and for the world to be on television. Because I actually, when I finished at the midday show, I pitched um, a cooking show for French television, and went right up to pre-production and then um, they, they freaked out that it was a little bit too much at the time. And now, you know, uh, drag on in French television is everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we were maybe a little bit too pioneer. <laughs> I watched a wonderful series on Netflix recently called Queen. Have you seen that? Yes, it's fabulous. Isn't it beautiful, mm. that, that, that wonderful older actor? Um, yes, you know, same thing, you know. He started in pub singing and uh, and now he's got a movie made about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fabulous, fabulous. So getting back into restaurants, how, how did that all start? Because you were um, at a venue called Slide for many years. Yes, yeah, Slide for nearly 14 years, just before. Once again, mixing my love of food and cabaret and entertainment. Uh, we, we started cabaret there um, with Maya Venuti and all the big names. It was fabulous. And then I created El Circo, the show that went on for 14 years. That's amazing, a long-running show. Amazing. 146,000 people saw that show. Wow. 
We counted. <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh, like a, a, a variety or vaudeville? Or it was circus. circus. Yeah, circus, yeah. like a seven-course degustation dinner, all themed, and seven circus act with a host. I created the show for Verushka, actually. And, uh, and all was linked, the food and the numbers were linked together. It was quite a, quite a show, extraordinary show. It gave work to so many um, artists, um, you know, circus artists and magicians. And did you have an aerial act? Because it's quite, lots, a, quite a high ceiling. Lots, yeah, we yeah. did. We did, we know, silks and uh, trapeze and lira and ropes and every other act you can imagine because of the heights of the ceiling, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you get to revisit Claire very often nowadays? Uh, now Claire is a little bit lazy. Yeah? She's got a name at the front of the restaurant, and the name is in light, and now I do all the work. Yeah. <laughs> no, but she comes in um, on regular basis at the restaurant uh, doing Mardi Gras course and Bastille Day and Halloween and Melbourne Cup and this year even New Year's Eve. So she comes out time to time. By demand. <laughs> so after that 14 years with El Circo, what was, it? was this a restaurant here, this building, where no, Claire's Kitchen is? No, it was not. It was a hairdressing salon, hence the name Claire's Kitchen at Le Salon. Lots of people always ask me, why is it called Claire's Kitchen at Le Salon? Well, first, a play on word, because it was in the hairdressing salon, and the salon in French means um, the boudoir, you know. So um, it was a little bit of a play on word. No, it was a hairdressing salon, and Sly took it over, and up, uh, I, I helped them sort of with decor and concept and everything, and they opened an American-style bar, but unfortunately, it didn't, didn't work. So after six months, I said, do you want it? What would you do with it? I said, well, let's do a French restaurant, and here we are, yeah. 11 years later. Did it take long to to take off? Uh, It always, you know, when you open something like that, you always need to give yourself at least a year or two to really build. But because I did it with the strength of uh, Slide, you know, the clientele of Slide, and, you know, all the people that knew of Claire, that's why I used Claire de Lune, actually. It was uh, (laughs) the name, not my name. Nobody knows me. So I used Claire's name. We were very lucky that... uh, we did very well from the beginning, yes. Um, obviously, a lot of work transforming a, a hair salon into this glorious venue mm. that it is now. It was, it was. I spent hours and hours online buying furniture from all over the world. And so you oversaw all of that? Everything, yeah. 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 Oh, that's wonderful, wonderful. So um, being, doing drag again, I just want to get back to Claire. It must be exhausting also, I mean, because it's very much late night shift work isn't it, it it used to be yes not anymore because i create my own work so yeah, i do yeah, the so early but right. at the time you know like uh, we were performing often you know up to three o'clock in the morning yeah i think that you need to be younger to do that sort of work you know it uh, it takes a lot and also the, the environment is never really that healthy you know especially at the time where I, when i was doing it, it was still smoking in venues and alcohol and all of that so I think I I stopped that sort of the side of the entertainment at the right time. You know what I mean? I created once again something for me that is more suitable. Yeah. 
for you, an older person. <laughs> you're still working long hours, though, aren't you? Oh yes, yeah. I, I've never n- work has never been a problem for me. I love working. Oh, what, yeah. time, what time do you start? Well, I start at nine thirty in the morning, right, yeah. and I do um, a few hours in the kitchen uh, until about three three p.m. I do my preparation, so. Um, I, there is still some dishes at the restaurant that I like to do myself, you know, the parfait, the souffle, all of this, uh, that sort of thing. And then the kitchen team takes over, yeah. And I move to the dining room and do the setting, organize the cabaret, do marketing, and then do the service. Now, all of your staff here, um, they would appear to be to f- be French. Now, are they or the, are they just good actors? They <laughs> are good actors now. They were when we first opened because, once again, we were a, a business next to Slide that was still going at the time. So I wanted to be something very different yeah. from Slide. Yeah. So we, this is why the, the menu is very traditional. The wine list is only French. The staff were all, all French. But, unfortunately, with COVID, um, all the um, students and all the backpackers stopped working, stopped coming to Australia. So we were left with very, very few options. So now a lot of my staff is from South America. So I say, as long as you get an accent, you can work here. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it a very unique experience. It's wonderful. A lot of theatre people are superstitious. Uh, Is there superstitions in the um, hospitality business? Uh, Well, I am quite superstitious. (laughs) I have a lot of um, little things that I do before shows and, you know, before even when I do Claire, like I have a little ritual that I do. I listen to a song which is... It's been, it's been a song very important in my career because I always finish my show with that song, What Makes a Man a Man by Charles Navour. Yeah. So I always listen to it when I get ready and finish my show with it. So it's kind of like a, a little ritual. Yeah, In the restaurant business, I don't know if we have time to have, <laughs> to have rituals. Yeah. However, restaurant business, as you mentioned earlier, is, is a fine oil machine. So... We have, you know, people have certain tasks that they do at certain time of the of the day. The staff know what to do, so it's a routine more than a superstition, but it's a routine that we follow every day. So everything seems really um, easy, and uh, but it's actually a lot of routine involved. And what time would you be able to switch off the light and leave? Uh, I leave, I'm the first one to leave now right. because I'm the first, often the first one to arrive at the restaurant. So I, as soon as the service is finished or the cabaret is finished, I go and I let them do the closing. But uh, I go around 10, 30, 11. Oh, they can be here until 1 o'clock yeah, in the morning. Yeah. It's a big investment of time and energy. In a, it in is. A it is. It? It's yeah. a lifestyle, really. Like uh, There is no other way to describe it. You cannot do that as a hobby. It, it, it is your life. The restaurant is your life. Today is Monday. It's my day off. I just finished the laundry for all the staff, and I'm coming here to do some ordering. So there is always something to it do. It doesn't sound like yeah. a day off. It is not a day off, but at least I'm not dealing with customers today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're having a spell. Yeah, yeah. So um, any thoughts of, of going further afield and, and having a Claire's Kitchen in other states? Or? Uh, we've been asked many times to start businesses. Unfortunately, our business is very personal. Um, uh, My business partner is Valentin. You met him before. 
And uh, he started the first day we opened. It was supposed to be the dishwasher in the restaurant. And we were short of waiters. So I just say, you're good looking. You move in the dining room and you be a waiter. Couldn't speak English. Didn't. And now he owns half of Claire's Kitchen. Wow. So, you know, it's been uh, that sort of relationship. So... Um, I'm sorry, what was the question again? I always oh, go. <laughs> <laughs> Moving further afield to oh, yeah, 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 taking yeah, yeah, Claire's, because, you know, it would yeah. be great. People in Melbourne could enjoy yeah. this, this but, very unique experience. But I suppose but because also it, it's a Sydney thing. It is also, and it's a very personal business, and there is only one of me, so I couldn't be at two, pl- two places at the same time. Yeah, it is very personal. People expect to see Valentin and I in the restaurant. They expect us to be here. So it's a little bit hard to open. We we were going to open something this year and then decided against it, another little business in Sydney, just because I needed to be more creative. I just needed to create something. And we changed our mind. But, you know, maybe, maybe doing some... Uh, I don't know. I can say no, but I also feel that um, uh, it could be in the detriment of what we're doing here. You've got World Pride coming up. That's going to be big, big celebration. Big, big, big. Yes, we have an amazing um, cabaret program. Um, I work um, very closely with Miss Beth Kennedy, who has been an amazing asset to our to our cabaret. She creates, she curates all the, um, our program, organizes all. She knows everybody. Yeah, she's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So. She, she, you know, we. That's why we we get such high standard of cabaret performers because she knows everyone. She worked with everyone, and we have created two weeks of uh, shows every night of the week, and the last two days of uh, World Pride, the fourth and the fifth of March, we also putting the restaurant on the footpath, so uh, from 10 a.m. in the morning to 10 a.m. at night, we will have another Claire's Kitchen at the front with a little stage, of course, and some of our Wonderful. favorite performers entertaining the crowd. They're expecting for those two days up to 50,000 people in Oxford Street. It's going to be quite extraordinary. A big street party, is it? Yes, or, the yeah. street is close from Taylor Square to Whitlam Square, yeah. and including Crown Street and Raleigh Street. So it's going to be, it's called Pride Village. Mm. That'll be huge. It's going to be gigantic. Uh, actually, straight after the interview, I'm going to put out, we have to apply for an extra license. So I'm going to go and do all the paperwork for that. <laughs> uh, can you talk about who might be performing at, at Claire's during that time? We have an extraordinary uh, 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 program, and I've tried with Miss Beth to be very inclusive. And uh, we have um, people like James Lee. Uh, Mini Cooper, drag performer, uh, Mark Trevorrow, and uh, and uh, uh, Rupert Knopf. We have uh, Jonathan Welsh, you know, uh, the choir, choir of, of Hard Knocks. Yeah. Shona Jensen, of course, she's our diva. Jonathan Mills. We have uh, uh, Doreen Manganini, who is a drag performer, also a First Nation person, yeah. who has helped me to create the whole look for the festival by doing a painting that is called... Um, we travel different paths to celebrate. It's a beautiful Aboriginal artwork that I use everywhere. We have um, Ned Job, Marnie McQueen, another First Nation performer, friend, Big Mama Little, Samantha Leith, Adam Rennie, who is a um, fabulous non-binary um, uh, performer. 
we have a um, trans woman, JJ Ferrari, who is doing something quite interesting. It's going to be a, a talk about her uh, experience transitioning, but with a pianist, actually Miss Bave, and Del Burridge singing uh, at the back of it. So really interesting. And to finish, we have the campus act in town, the Capitals from Campsy, performing <laughs> with Darren Mapes and Deborah Krizak. So big program, big program. That's wonderful, wonderful. And of course, listeners can access uh, more information on your website. On the website, go which, to the website. Which yeah. is... Um, Claireskitchen.com.au Fantastic. And all through December, of course, you have a lot of Christmas-themed entertainments. Yes, yes, yes. Unfortunately, all booked out. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's <laughs> only, wonderful. Only a couple of seats left for show now on, Christmas, uh, on the 22nd. But uh, um, all our show have done very, very well this year. Very well. Oh, well, congratulations. And thank you for having this wonderful room available to us all in Sydney. And if you're coming to Sydney, it's a must on your to-do list, I think, at, uh, at Claire's Kitchen for a magnificent meal and, and fabulous entertainment. Um, and thank you, Mark, for um, talking to stages about your, your wonderful life and um, what you do in making us all so happy and well-fed. Oh, thank you, Peter, for your time. Claire's Kitchen at Le Salon will be delivering a sensational and diverse lineup of talent during February 2023 to coincide with the celebration of World Pride in Sydney. Check out the cabaret season at www.clairskitchen.com.au. If you're listening outside of Sydney, do make sure that on your next visit you check out the exquisite cabaret room and have a sensational feed. You never know who will be gracing their stage. Thank you to my guest today, Mark Kuzma, a.k.a. Claire Deloon. There is always someone of great interest to be heard on the Stages podcast, and a variety of roles are explored and celebrated. Look back through the archives and you'll get access to directors, designers and drag performers, producers, publicists and playwrights, agents and actors, choreographers and casting. Emerging talents and established legends. All are available to access on Stages, the podcast that converses with creatives about their craft, career, and what matters to them. I'm Peter Ayers. Thanks for listening. Keep well, keep warm, stay safe, and I'll catch you next time on Stages. <laughs> <laughs>